Praise the Lord. Good morning. I'd like to welcome everybody here this morning on a beautiful Sunday morning. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you would, turn in your Bibles to James chapter 2, verse 8. James chapter 2, verse 8. All right. It says, If you really fulfill the royal law. Those are some interesting first couple words. Just think about how he's saying that. If you really fulfill the royal law, we've not heard the words royal law very often in the Bible. How many have noticed that's not a common term that we hear a lot? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. So we're going to try to figure out what James is saying here today in this scripture. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, um, I just pray that you would uh, minister uh, your word, Lord, that you would give us the wisdom uh, to understand what you're speaking to this body, Lord, and that you would, um, Lord, you would hide me behind your cross and just allow me to encourage and uh, strengthen and um, do all the things that your word intends to do here, Lord. Just hide me and, uh, Lord, make your word very apparent and uh, not my words, Lord. And uh, I pray that everybody would be able uh, to always receive your word. Lord, in your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. All right, this is James that wrote this book. And uh, James is the brother of Jesus Christ. How would you like to be the brother of of Jesus Christ. They're half-brothers. They share Mary as their mother. Of course, Jesus was conceived through the Holy Spirit, and so James is a younger half-brother of Jesus Christ. And so um, as you watch James's life and you see what the Bible says about him, uh, James, like everybody else, was watching Jesus grow up. He's seen the unusual things, I'm sure, around his family. He heard the original things about the life of Jesus and you know, knew the prophecies that he fulfilled. And and um, as Jesus was ministering, he even had questions. But when Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected, you see James very uniquely is probably the most respected person in the church in Jerusalem. And at that time, the church was only in Jerusalem. And James was one of the most respected, probably the most respected member of the Jerusalem church. And he was the leader unquestioned in that church, the Bible says. And um, James, when he writes this book, uh, it has a special emphasis and a special um, meaning in everything he says because he knew Jesus so well. And so it's really interesting to hear everything that he says and how he says things on every word. And um, we were reading this scripture in men's ministry yesterday. We were studying the book of James and we were going over these verses. And um, when I heard that this part of the verse, the Holy Spirit was starting to work on me with this message. So the title of my message is The Royal Law. And as I heard this scripture... Um, I naturally am an inquisitive person. How many are like that? When you hear something from the Bible or you hear somebody say something or you hear an event, you're just inquisitive. And so you just immediately start formulating questions. 
And uh, they say the best way to learn is to ask questions and to get answers to those questions, and that's how we investigate things. And so as I began to look at this, um, and I'm just going to answer my questions that I had when we read it yesterday, and the Holy Spirit was kind of leading me to study a little deeper into it. And um, so the first question that I asked was, um, in fact, before I get into this, let me tell you just a real quick story. Um, how many here uh, work on engines just a little bit? And just to kind of prepare you to hear this, um, most of us know or have heard of what's called a governor on an engine, right? And so a governor just kind of regulates that engine. It will um, give you the right amount of fuel. It will kind of evaluate the load and it will adjust things based on, you know, uh, precision, you know, to make sure that engine runs well. And uh, this scripture is all about, you know, every scripture that we preach. In fact, I love the way the Lord does it. The Lord um, every week will, the way he set it up is that we challenge each other every week. We challenge each other in our faith. We challenge each other to follow Christ as closely as we can. And we're challenged in so many different ways. Our devotion to the Lord, how we treat other people, all those things. And uh, one of the things the Lord gave us is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit the Lord is putting in my spirit this morning is like that governor. You know, it keeps us regulated. You know, uh, God, over the course of your day, is constantly calibrating your heart. You know, he's injecting grace, he's injecting love, he's injecting mercy. And you say, oh man, I I don't know if I can give that person mercy. And God's saying, man, I'm just regulating you, I'm governing your life. And how many want God to govern your life? We want to be governed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus works through the Holy Spirit in a believer's heart. And so this message is all about... Um, our heart being governed by Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is that thing that's inside of you that, uh, um, that, that works in us, the Bible says. When we give our life to Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit who helps us live the life that God has called us to live. That means every relationship, uh, every day, God is just pouring good things into our heart and changing us as people. How many want that? Hallelujah. I want that with all my heart. And uh, so the first question I ask here is, this version I read uh, this morning is especially good at interpreting the first four or five words. Um, James asks the question, or makes the statement in a very interesting way. He says, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, how many can sense a little bit of a statement being made by if you really? You know, if somebody says, if you really, what are they actually saying? You probably don't. And so James, um, he's at the church in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem at this time is mostly just a Jewish church. And so it's Jewish believers that have recognized that Jesus is the Messiah that fulfilled everything from the book of Genesis until the time that Christ came and died and was resurrected. And so it's mostly Jewish believers. Well, among that group of Jewish believers are a lot of people that went to really good teaching 
uh, facilities. Okay, they were Pharisees, they were Sadducees. Um, if you had money, you could send your child to some of the greatest teachers in Jerusalem. And what, what does that do to a person's mind? The mind expands. And knowledge-wise, that's a good thing, but uh, humility-wise, that's not always the best. And so James, who is the unquestioned leader of the church, um, he's going through, the, in the whole book of James, he's going through characteristics of a person that has true faith. And so as you see to the characteristics, it should challenge us to want to have the, quali- the characteristics that James mentions. So he mentions roughly about 10 different things that a person who has true faith will do. And so in this part of it, um, he's actually challenging them on how they treat the poor. Because what he's trying to say is, if you have true faith, um, you won't look at people and treat them differently based on their income. And this could be income and it could be any other area. But he's just saying one of the marks of faith is you don't treat people different based on the circumstances. You love everybody and you try to reach out to everybody. You try to be kind to everybody. In fact, I'll tell you this. Kindness, the older I get, is the number one characteristic that I love. Just kind people. How many know somebody that's just kind and you say, man, I want that. <laughs> I, if we had a world full of kind people, you know, it would be awesome. And, but the problem is we all look in the mirror and we find times that we're just not kind. And so James is challenging them in that area to try to learn how as a Christian to challenge yourself every day to be kind to people and love everybody, you know, regardless of whether they have money, they don't have money, you know, whatever the situation is. And so Jerusalem, Boy, this is a great place for this message because um, there's a lot of people, like I said, that are religious and they're so religious. In fact, I've been to Jerusalem and when you go around some of the Orthodox Jews, they literally uh, won't even look at you. They won't look at you. They won't say a kind word to you. It's as if you don't exist in some of these Orthodox Jewish circles, and that's not by accident. That's not just that person's personality. It's actually in some circles that's taught. And so James, the brother of Jesus, is saying this is not what the Bible intended. This is a mark of a person that has real faith as they um, they care about people. Amen. And so we should be challenged this morning as we look at it. Now here's some of the different ways. This is why I say this caught my attention first. Um, all scripture is interpreted um, from a different language. We don't speak the original tongue. And so this part, James, is actually interpreted from the Greek. So every translation that you have, they all read just a little different, depending on what translation you have, because everybody's trying to take that original Greek and transliterate it in English. And so here's some of the different versions, how they interpret his first line. English Standard Version says, if you really fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. King James says, if you fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture. New King James says, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture. New American Standard says, if however you are fulfilling the royal law. 
And Amplified says, if however you are really fulfilling the royal law according to Scripture. And they're all capturing pretty well the fact that he's not fully convinced that they're fulfilling that law. That they're not actually being as kind to their neighbors as they think they are. How many think that we have an elevated opinion of how nice we are to people? And um, so I think it's always good to challenge ourselves. And uh, nobody can stand aloof here and say, man, I'm doing good, but everybody else. Chad, preach it to them. You know, we all have to always evaluate this. Second thing I notice is the fact that he uses the word royal law. And if you've studied the Bible and you've studied the Jewish culture really often, this is a very unusual thing for him to say. Because the Jews are very proud of the Torah, which is called the law. And they are not very happy about having a king. In fact, they're very opposed usually to a king and authority over them. And so they often, in fact, more than any other group, they probably rebelled against authority quite often. And so they didn't often put royal with law because this word royal is a word that uh, literally means regal. Um, It's a person, it's a king, basically is law. And so for him to use the word royal law is very interesting, and you kind of wonder, what's he talking about here? You you can tell it's something a little different than just the normal run-of-the-mill law. In fact, the word he uses, basilicon in Greek, which means regal, belonging to a sovereign or preeminent. And he puts it with nomos, which is the Jewish law. So this is a king giving a Jewish law. And uh, puts those two words together, it's kind of unusual. So this is a royal law, but it's not exactly just the Jewish law. It's actually the Jewish law, and it's being presented to us by a king. And in the context of the scripture, the king is Jesus. And which is really amazing because his little brother wrote it, (laughs) which is kind of amazing. James is his little brother, and he's saying, hey, this is the royal law that directly comes from a kingdom and that kingdom is Jesus Christ. In fact, let me give you the uh, the background or the scriptures before it. James in verse 5 says, Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he capitalized? Who is this he? Jesus promised to those who love, capital H means deity is why I keep pointing that out. It's deity both times. He promised and it's those who love him who receive it. So his little brother is saying, those who love my brother who is God and those who follow him, they're going to be the rich Even if they're poor in this world, they are rich in faith. And he says, but, and that's a big word. Every time that's there, it changes the subject. You have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into courts. Do not they blaspheme the noble name by which you are called, which again is Jesus. So he's contrasting here. He's saying, you are the rich people. 
How many ever feel like you're the rich people? But it's a, it's a reality. You know, we are going to inherit the earth. We're going to inherit everything. Jesus, everything is under his authority, his dominion, and his power. And you just say, when? And I say, whenever I close my eyes for the last time, I'm going to be wealthier than any person in this world has ever been because I believe in him. And there's going to come a moment where I'm going to leave this world and you're all going to cry and you're going to say, oh man, it's so bad for Chad. And some of you are going to say, man, he's finally gone. Ding dong, the witch is dead. (laughs) But how many know if we believe in Christ, we're going to have more money, more things. I mean, we're going to inherit everything for those who love him. That's why he's saying, would you rather have money for 40 years? And be wealthy in this world and have nothing in eternity? Or would you rather be poor for 40 years and have everything in eternity? And he's saying we're rich in faith. So he's switching it all around here. He's saying how do the rich behave now? Well, they take you to court and they oppress you. How many would agree with that? A lot of times those who are rich in this world oppress people. He said they're oppressing you. They're dragging you into the courts. They don't have enough money. They want to go to court and get more money. He's saying, but the rich in my kingdom act differently. So what he's trying to say is, how do the rich in his kingdom act? Well, we're the representation of that. How would you like a king to come into this world and rather than, you know, all the silly things politicians do, the king comes into the world and says, okay, Here's how we're going to behave now. We're going to treat people right. We're going to love one another. We're not going to do harm to one another. We're going to love one another and we're going to love God. And so this is a king that is presenting what's called the royal law. And so my next question here is what is the royal law? Because obviously it's not just the law of the Old Testament. Because he adds the word kingdom to it in verse 5. And he adds those who believe and they receive and they're rich in faith. And so this is what we would call the kingdom law. And so the royal law, Jesus is actually going back uh, to Leviticus. It was very interesting. And he's quoting from Leviticus, which Leviticus is the Bible chapter where Jesus basically gives a law to a people that have never had a law. You know, they came out of Egypt. They were all slaves. They came out. He made them a nation overnight. And he presented them with laws. And then, and then he broke, break him, breaks them down and puts them in court systems, like a local court with a few people, bigger courts, you know, with more people, and then uh, like a Supreme Court. I mean, he literally sets up a structure like the world has never seen. And get this, most countries of the world, their legal system is still based on what Moses did. And so in this legal chapter in Leviticus chapter 19... It says, you shall, well, in fact, let me read the broader verse here. Go back to verse 15 of chapter 19. It says, be honest and just when you make decisions in legal cases. Do not show favoritism to the poor or fear the rich. Do not spread lies about anyone. And when somebody is on trial for his life, speak out and and testify if you can help him. I am the Lord. 
Do not bear a grudge against other people, but settle your differences with them so that you will not commit a sin because of them. Do not take revenge on other people and and continue to hate them, but love your neighbor as you love yourself. I am the Lord. How many think this is a great king? I mean, what an awesome thing to make as a foundation for your legal system. And Jesus is quoting this. In fact, uh, somebody comes along and um, listen to this. One second here. In Matthew chapter 22, listen to this. After Jesus had made the Sadducees look foolish, the Pharisees heard about it and got together. One of them was an expert in the Jewish law. These are the people that James is talking about that aren't really nice. So they're trying to trap him. And they said, teacher, they called Jesus teacher, and they said, hey, what is the most important commandment in the law? Jesus answered, this is Matthew 22, 37. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and most important commandment. The second most important commandment is like this one. It is love others as much as you love yourself. Boy, how do I live that out? Love other people as much as you love yourself? Wow. How many of you think that would be a good law in America? (laughs) That would be a great one. All the law of Moses and the book of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Isn't that something? So what is the royal law? The royal law is, number one, love God with all of your heart, mind, and soul. The second one is like it, but it's not as important as the first one. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the people around you as much as you love yourself. How many think that you can fulfill that? I'm glad somebody's not going like this. (laughs) Okay. This is really hard to do. In fact, uh, he takes the two commandments that he gives to Moses and he puts, he makes what's called the Ten Commandments and they're an expansion of the two. How many know that? Half of the Ten Commandments are how to love God with all of your heart by don't make graven images, you know, don't lose, use the Lord's name in vain. And so it's five more commandments to help you keep that one. Love God with all of your heart. The other five commandments are five commandments that will help you love other people. And so he's trying to help us in our relationships, our relationship with God and our relationship with the people around us. So those second five are like, don't murder them. If you, you know, that's helpful. Don't lie. Don't bear false witness. You know, those kinds of things. And then by the time God is done, he has 601 more laws. So altogether there's 613. And so the Ten Commandments, the, the two commandments are called the Great Commandments, the Royal Law. Then you have ten more commandments. Then you have 601 more. And the 601 literally go through the ten and expand on each of the ten. So when it says don't murder, it goes through all the different things a person can violently do to another person. When it says don't commit adultery, it goes through all the different sexual ways that we sin. And so the Ten Commandments, all 601, literally, are just an expansion of the Ten Commandments. How many know that? And so he's talking about all these commandments. But um, 
So he he, he goes in. My next question is, what is James trying to say? James is trying to say that if you're one of these people who are rich in faith, you act a certain way. This is one of the proofs that we're actually a Christian. And so what is the point that he's trying to make? Number one, he's trying to say, if you're somebody who loves Christ, you will love other people. Plain and simple. You will love other people if you love me. That's the characteristic that I can tell you love me is by the fact that you love other people. In fact, uh, the third thing I notice is he mentions the word Torah. And because it's a Jewish audience, I know that their ears perk up when they hear the law. Because the Jewish people believe that is a covenant to them that is binding. So if Jesus says something about the Torah, he knows it's binding and they have to be committed to that covenant. That means God has a part in that covenant, which means he's going to save me. He's going to bless me. He's going to fulfill all the things that he promises in the covenant. How many want eternal life? How many want to live with the Lord in heaven forever? You know, how many want all the blessings that God brings to your family and to your life? And a Jewish person immediately says, when they hear Torah, that God promises much more than I can ever give back. But I am bound to the covenant. And so when Jesus says, this is part of this covenant, they know that they have to do something about it. And so Jesus says some things. He says in Matthew nineteen seventeen, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God. But if you want to enter into life, keep my commandments. Then he says, Matthew 23, 3, Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. He's talking about the Pharisees. They're mean religious people. But he says, if they're telling you to do something that's in the Word of God, do it. He said, but... Do not do according to their works. Because they will say it, they just won't do it. Wow. So James is following up on what Jesus said. Jesus is saying, yeah, they know the law, they just aren't able to do it. They talk about it, do do what they're saying, but they themselves don't actually do it. And so James is saying the same thing. That, hey, we've got to be the kind of people that just actually do it, you know. We actually love our neighbor. And this is what's so hard about it. Because the more you look into it, the more you realize we we need some help. And we need a lot of help. And so as we get into um, the royal law, the fourth thing I recognize is, if Jesus said all of the law is fulfilled by keeping two commandments, he says you can hang all the law on two commandments. Love God with all of your heart and love your neighbor. Every law that was ever created was because of those two things. How many think that in America we do well at, you know, better at loving people than we do at loving God? I think we probably do better at trying to love people. We're not even even good at that. But we're better at that than we are at respecting God. And the fact is that Jesus said the most important one is love God. Because if we don't first love God, then we really can't be successful at loving people. You know, because God loves people. God is, God is love, the Bible says. And so the reason I say that is because 
Everything in the law is what we based our entire legal system on. So our entire legal system actually was based on the Ten Commandments. How many know that? The legal system that they seen with Israel was the motivating force for our Declaration of Independence and our Constitution. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men are created equal that they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights. Now, where did we get that? She's excited about the Declaration of Independence. I like that. I like it. You say, well, doesn't everybody believe that? No, there weren't very many societies in the world that believed that. But they believed that all men were created equal and had certain inalienable rights that were evident, self-evident. That means you didn't have to prove it. Every human being, we created our constitution because we believed every individual was equal. And so not only is our personal life based on the Ten Commandments, And the royal law, where we treat people equally. That means we don't give them advantages or disadvantages. We treat everybody equally. And everybody, it says it's self-evident. It doesn't have to be proven. So this royal law is much bigger than we think it is. It's not just our personal conduct. It's our public conduct. The way that we treat people is the foundation of our entire society. And so as Christians, we've got to represent uh, the fact that we treat people the way that the royal law tells us to. Now, royal law, what does that... In my mind, James is clearly saying that this law is coming directly from a king. How many got that? Royal law is coming from a king. It's a dictate directly from a king. And the king is Jesus. And we're the subjects of the kingdom. And so when I say that our life should be governed, that we should have a governor, as a Christian, God is the one that governs our life. The Word of God is our royal law. And so as we begin to grow in God, what is the most important commandment that we try to fulfill in our life? Jesus said the most important one is love God with all of your heart, all of your mind, and all of your soul. Well, what does that mean? That means I have a governor in my heart. And my heart wants to honor God in in my life. And so everything that I do in my life, I don't want to be dishonorable to God. I want to honor God with my life. You say, well, man, are you perfect at that? No, but that's why we come to church every week, to be challenged. We, you know, If you go to a church where they're not challenging you, and you don't ever once in a while say, man, he's kind of harsh on me here, um, that's not what a church is for. Uh, we're here to challenge. The Bible said the Word of God is to reprove, to rebuke, which is kind of a harsh one. It says to encourage, to comfort. How many have ever walked in and been comforted and said, man, you know, I know where I'm going when I die. You know, I know it's going to be all right. God's going to take care of me. But also we need to have a governor in life say, man, you know what? Um, The Holy Spirit wasn't governing me in this situation. I wasn't being loving. You know, there wasn't the release of that love. There wasn't the release of that grace. There wasn't the release of that mercy. Uh, My attitude stinks. 
many have ever just said that? My attitude really stinks. You know, how many ever said, I'm going to punch that pastor when I go out in the parking lot? Because he should never have said that about me. I'm not talking directly to you. I'm just giving you the word of God. And so how many know it's a governor? And so we should want to go to church and say, man, am I honoring God? And then when we've got that right, that's the most important one, Jesus said. Then we go to the second one. Am am I treating people in a way that I'm equally treating them well? Because see, everybody can treat people well when they have money. Everybody can treat people well when they can do something for you. Everybody can treat them well when they're your, you know, they're your supervisor and your authority. My supervisor's sitting back there, so I'm going to be really careful how I say this. Real careful. But no, we can all be nice when it's beneficial to us. But the governor in our life, which is the Holy Spirit, Jesus is working through the Holy Spirit in our life. He's saying, man, evaluate how you treat everybody. Because how many know we're a representative of a king and a kingdom? And so everything we do, if he's not able to pour his love out through us, if he's not able to pour his mercy out through us, if he's not able to pour his grace out through us, if our attitude really stinks then what are they going to think about his kingdom? And so we are, as they say, the only Bible that people will ever read. And so God, this morning our challenge is, man, Lord, I want to evaluate myself every day. I want to figure out, you know, am I doing the best? Now, how many think that we're going to walk in here every week and be perfect? Don't let perfect get in the way of good. You know, um, don't let... The fact that you're not the kindest person and not the most loving person stop you from being a kind and a loving person. And so that's what that governor is all about. We come, we go in our prayer life to get full of the Holy Spirit and we get full of the Holy Spirit because we're going to need it that day. And so if you're going to be kind to somebody, it's going to be because the Holy Spirit put that in you from God. If you're going to be able to be loving, it's probably going to be because the people around you were so nice to you. See, that's not what it is. If you're waiting for them to be nice so you can be nice back, it's not going to happen. But we we need the Holy Spirit because we want to be loving when they despitefully use us, when they persecute us, when they're not very nice to us. And so that's what James is trying to say here. This is one of the characteristics of a person that has faith is the Holy Spirit is able to love the unlovable. <clears throat> the next thing, James goes in verse 10, 11, he says, for whosoever keeps the whole law and offends in one point, he's guilty of the whole thing. For he that said, do not commit adultery, also said, don't kill. Now, if you commit no adultery and yet you kill, you're still a transgressor. Say, but wait a minute, I didn't commit adultery, I just killed somebody. <laughs> what he's trying to say here is, the royal law condemns every single one of us. And so this is the first part of understanding what salvation is. There's a parable in the Bible where it says that a man went to a man that he owed a lot of money to. Like in terms of money, it was like millions of dollars what we would have today. Imagine going to somebody and you owe him millions. And whatever that amount is, it's more than you can earn in your entire lifetime. And that guy says, you are forgiven. 
You don't owe it. And you walk out of there and a guy owes you 20 bucks and you say, put him in prison. That's the parable that Jesus told. How could you be forgiven so much and you can't forgive the guy of 20 bucks? And so part of the royal law is I understand that I am condemned and we're all condemned. None of us are, the Bible says there's none righteous, not even one. That we'll never be good enough to on our own go to heaven. But because Jesus loved us and died for us, He has given us grace and mercy and love. And because He's given us so much and so abundantly, we're to go out, and here it is, live it out. People are going to abuse you. They're going to mistreat you. They're going to slander you. And our challenge today is, if we are a believer, one of the characteristics is, we're going to, through the Holy Spirit, learn how to love people. Boy, and it's not easy. Some of you, some of you that say that it's easy, you haven't went through some of those circumstances. It's hard for all of us. The Bible said, then he goes on and he says that um, in James 2.12, he says that we're going to be judged, but mercy triumphs over judgment. That means because God is merciful, it's going to triumph over the judgment that we deserved. And he says, but if you're not merciful, then you will not receive mercy. Oh, you didn't hear me there. If we're not merciful, you say, well, man, I'm in my nice little cocoon here. God forgave me. I'm on my way to heaven. I've got a good life. That person harmed me. And so I am going to be unforgiving, unyielding. I'm not going to show mercy. And that tells me that you don't understand the gospel. Because we all sinned and came short of the glory of God and He still treated us good. He still loved us. He still forgave us. And He's saying, if you don't show mercy, you won't receive mercy. How many know it's something God expects us to do? He expects us to, and you say, but you, Chad, you don't understand what they did to me. In fact, right now you can think of that person. And, and I'm, I'm saying as serious as I can be because that's how bad it hurts. And, and I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit can help you love people. It's a major challenge. And here's the last point. I read this and I, and I, and I put it all on paper here. How do I love my neighbor? You should be asking yourself that question. If you think you have the answer within yourself... Um, you're probably going to find out you're going to have to dig much deeper than, than your intellect because your emotions will take over and there won't be an answer. It'll have to be the Holy Spirit that teaches you this. James is making a conditional statement that if you keep the law, you are doing well. Now, the tone of James, everybody who is a scholar in Greek will tell you the tone of James is he doesn't think you're doing very well with it. <laughs> He's saying, if you really keep the royal law, and he's saying, if you can do it, you've done really well. But what he's actually saying is, if you break the law in just one place, you're a transgressor. 
So what he's saying is be happy that you have grace and mercy because it's going to take everything to be able to love your neighbor. And if you were the law were strict, none of us would, would um, be accepted by God by our, the way we treat our neighbors. And uh, But I'm going to tell you something. Every time you succeed in loving somebody who's been bad to you, it's going to stand out in this world like nothing you can ever imagine. Grace and mercy and kindness is the greatest characteristics uh, because they're from God. They're, they're, they're royal characteristics. But listen to this. I'm going to read it straight the way I put it down from another author. It says, in context, he is preaching the second commandment to a law-loving people. These people love the law and think they keep it. And so he's saying, um, hey, it's great if you love your neighbor, but if you're discriminating against poor people, you're a lawbreaker. Harsh, right? (laughs) They're law-loving people, but they just won't treat poor people well. He's saying, well, you're a lawbreaker. But they were very proud of the fact they kept the law. And listen to this. Does the law have, the royal law have any relevance to us? It has none at all for we're under the law of grace. We're led by the indwelling spirit and ruled by, um, let's see, let me go down here. Okay, but what about this? Romans 13, 8 says, he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. And what you find out in James is, James in verse 8, he's saying, fulfill the law by loving your neighbor. He's saying, complete it, fulfill it. Very strong word. Then two verses later, he says, if you keep the law, and that's not the same strict word. James is expecting you to fulfill the law. And so listen to this. How do I love my neighbor who voted for the wrong party? How do I love my Muslim neighbor, my gay neighbor, my vaxxed or unvaxxed neighbor? And that's just for starters. Jesus raised the bar when he said, you must also love your enemies. You say, wait a minute, I had it all figured out until you said, love my enemies, love those who despitefully use you, Jesus says. Love those who persecute you. I wish he would have said tolerate. How many wish that that verse said tolerate? Tolerate your enemies. Tolerate those who despitefully use you. How do I love the jerk who bankrupt my business? How do I love the adulterer who wrecked my marriage? How do I love the drunk who killed my child? How do I love the unlovable? The royal law can't help you. It simply says you must love them. (laughs) Harsh law. Now listen to this. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you. What nerve he has. You know Jesus had more nerve than anybody that's ever walked the earth. You know what kind of person... This is the Jewish people, by the way. Do you imagine how arrogant that is the Jewish people to walk in and say, I'm giving a new commandment today? They gather around. You know, they literally... 613 laws is it. No more. All right? Jesus says, gather around. Today I give you a new commandment. (laughs) They're like, who does he think he is? He was God. He never denied it. A new commandment. Now why do I need a new commandment? I give it to you. John 13, 34. Love one another as I have loved you. 
Okay, that's different. It was love others as you love yourself. What if I don't like myself? Love other people like I have loved you. And you say, well, of course he loves me. I'm lovable. We've got to get a picture of what we really are. We've hated God. We've, we've spit in God's face. We've done all these things. How many know that God has loved us through everything? He came. How many would be willing to leave heaven? You know, if I were in heaven, I don't, man, I don't know if I would ever leave. Would you leave? He left heaven to come here to be spat upon. His body was ripped apart to where his organs were hanging out. He was despised. He was hated. He was beaten worse than, I always say this, worse than you would beat a dog. If I did the things to your dog today that they did to Jesus, I would be on death row right now. Can you imagine nailing your dog to a tree? Can you imagine gutting your dog where his guts are hanging out but he's still alive? Can you imagine ripping the hair out of your dog's body? And some of you are really getting mad now because I'm talking about your dog, but I'm talking about God. The God of heaven came to earth, left heaven, and that's what we did to him. And he loved us that much that he endured it for the joy that was set before him. And he says, just love them like I loved you. And so that's our challenge today. We're not here just to hear a pretty sermon and go home. We're here to say, dear God, help me. God, help me. I hate my family members. I hate my people I work with. It's all right, say it. There are people that are close to you that it's in there. And, 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 and if there's no other reason you serve God than I just, I need Him. I need Him to help me because I'm trying to fulfill the royal law. I've got a mandate from a king of a royal law and I'm so unforgiving, I can't do it, God. You have to help me. I've got so much bitterness, Lord, I, I need your help. I've got so much anger inside of me, I need your help. I've got so many problems, I can't fix them. And what he's saying is, you need me so you can do the things otherwise you couldn't do. If you want to be that kind person that we all love, that loves people no matter how harsh they're treated, how many know somebody like that? Man, all the things I've done to that person and they're still nice, I'll tell you who's really good. Now I talked about beating your dog up. How many have ever like went home and you thought, man, why does that dog love me? Not that you've ever done anything wrong with him. It's just like, why does he love me so much? I swear those dogs have no animosity. They have no hatred. They have no bitterness. They're like, man, you know what? You gave me that molded food that day. You wouldn't eat that stuff. You wouldn't give that to your kids. Why do you give it to me? How many want to be that kind of person? Just loyal, loving, and only God can do that. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Hallelujah. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer, and uh, I'm just going to open this altar up. How many of you know we're never at church to embarrass anybody? We're here to pray with each other.
love each other, help each other through things in life. Uh, So if you need prayer in any way, we want to pray with you. We want to gather around you, pray with you. Don't be nervous about it. Uh, Maybe if you're not in the right place with the Lord in your life, uh, we want to pray with you. If you want to pray with me after church, you want to call me and we'll get together during the week, we'll pray. But how many want this for your life? Man, I understand this is important. I don't want to be bitter. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to lash out at people. I want to love people like God loves them. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we love you, Lord. Lord, we all want to be like you, Lord. Oh, Lord, we want your spirit to be poured out in our lives. We don't want to be like the religious, cold-hearted people that James was talking to. We want to love our families. We want to love our coworkers. We want to love our neighbors, those people who are around us. Lord, take away all the bitterness, the anger, the things that block that love up, Lord. Be the governor of our life, Lord. Help us today, Lord. In your name we pray. Just, just, just pray the Lord. Take some time just to be challenged by this word this morning. Hallelujah. close with this um, and I'll share just a little bit Margie if you don't mind um, Margie called me this morning and um, she had been woken up at about 6am with a message from the Lord and uh, she wanted to share it with me and I think it's for us today um, but she said that she was and she'll tell you probably more at another time but she said that what does it mean to go when we say in Jesus name you know, and sometimes we think in Jesus' name, we think of all these miracles. And it's true. We have authority over demons and sickness and all kinds of things we do in Jesus' name. But man, have you ever seen the miracle of bitterness fall off of somebody? Have you ever felt forgiveness? Have you ever felt a prodigal come home and dad hug him and say, you know what? I missed you. Restored relationships are bigger than anything. And that's a miracle in Jesus' name. The Bible says we're ministers of reconciliation. That means we're being sent out to help people reconcile with family members, to find forgiveness, to find love, to find a place to put that bitterness down, the unforgiveness down. We're those ministers, not me. I'm one of them with you. And part of her dream was... I'm going to make you fishers of men and you're going to go out in my name. But she said, the Lord impressed on her, you can have a fishing pole, you can have a hook, right Rick? But you're not going to catch anything. you got to have something on that hook that's desirable. That's us. A fish is not going to be caught unless they see something. And it's our love. It's our forgiveness. It's our kindness. The Bible says that they're drawn to God by His kindness. Not His harshness, by His kindness. 
if we're ever going to win the loss, it's going to be because of our kindness. And that's hard for us. I was thinking, I was praying about this, and I don't know why this came to my mind, but I just want to share this, and I'm going to pray a blessing over it. Play a blessing, play a, pray a blessing over everybody. Hopefully I can talk this morning. But for some reason, and I don't know why I was praying about it, and I was like, Lord, why? Why am I always so drawn by kind people? Like my wife, that's the number one trait that I married her for because she is a kind person. My boys are kind. Jonathan, I've watched Jonathan over the years play basketball. He's like the incredible hawk out there. But nice. Nice to everybody. And I'm like, man, if I were him, I'd just mow everybody down. Josiah is kind to everybody. My kids are kind people. And I'm always drawn to that, but I remember while I was praying for that, the Lord was saying, I was like, why am I always drawn to that, Lord? And I don't know why I thought about it, but my dad was telling me a story one time about my grandpa. And he said, one of his brothers who was really slow in his mind wasn't, in my dad's words, it wasn't really smart. And he climbed up on a roof, he liked climbing up on the roof for some reason. But he'd always get up there and get scared. And so my grandpa would go up there and he would say, just jump, I'll catch you. Trust me. Jump. And the first time he did it, he jumped and moved out of the way. He said, son, never trust anybody he got up there again but he wasn't really smart he said son this time you can trust me just jump I'll catch you you won't get hurt fell on the ground again hurt him he said never trust anybody he did it a third time took a little longer finally convinced him, I'm your dad, I love you, jump. He got hurt even worse. He said, don't trust anybody, even your own dad, never forget that. I mean, no, that's cruel. Sometimes, it's been a lifetime learning how to let God I've spent 30 years trying to learn how to be kind and loving. Nice. I mean, no, God can do it. God can do it. And I'm going to pray the blessing over you guys. I mean, I would love if we were just known as the kindest church, the nicest church. I mean, want that. Man, I want to be the nicest, kindest church. I want people to see our love for God. That's all I want in my life. Let's pray. Lord, you want you pray a blessing.
Holy Spirit, three in one. You are the one that we can trust. And we want your heart so that the words we speak and the acts that we do will touch people around us to your glory. And as we do this, we are praying and we are living in Jesus' name. means to go in Jesus name be a healer be a healer hallelujah heavenly father right now put healing Lord God in their words actions touch father let us love other people more than we love ourselves Lord God let us love them even higher Lord God let them love like you loved us Lord I pray this anointing upon this congregation Lord in your name I pray and everybody said